welcome pudding people to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Butterscotch Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger of the Vanilla Pudding. I thought it was rice pudding. You were last time. Oh. I like to switch things around because pudding has so many wonderful flavors. Vanilla. We are back with you today for a fantastic ride, a thrill-seeking adventure where we get to, as I mentioned in my tweet, nitpick a movie that we saw that we both happen to have enjoyed to at least a certain degree, I expect. We are going to be reviewing Spider-Man Far From Home. <sighs> How far away from home? Far. He is, uh, you know, about as far as you can get without taking a trip to space and turning into dust. Mm. Good, good point. Yeah, absolutely. So, we, as always, will give us a little bit of a non-spoilery section up at the beginning so that we can decide exactly how much we liked it and whether we would suggest that you see it in the theaters now or maybe wait for it to be streaming, get it on Blu-ray possibly, or maybe it's worth a watch if you're at a hotel and flipping through the channels and they've badly dubbed over all of the expletives and there's commercial breaks and you can kind of ignore it. You know, one of those things. Yeah. Or... Uh, possibly just completely ignore it altogether if it's just really that bad. Now, after our spoiler-free section, what will we do, Richard? We will talk about the movie. Yes, we will. With in lots of spoilers. much more uh, in-depth conversations about a certain subjects, and we'll score those better. That's right, because it is a very scientific method that's not really all that scientific. And we are occasionally going to be distracted by small little windows that will appear in our recording equipment. Uh, may, that may just be me. Probably, yeah. probably not. Probably not Richard. Foolishness right is all and that is. I swear, Richard is that way. There's no way he could actually you be up that there. way, and I'm not really looking at it. You need to calm down up there. <laughs> Settle it down. So, for those of you that are prepared for the ride, here we go. So, Richard, what'd you think? I enjoyed the movie. Now, okay. When I watched it, now generally speaking, I don't like to watch movies with other people because other people because cause problems. Um, I went on a Tuesday and the theater was jam-packed. Hmm. So if that's any, any indication, now, people watching the movie in a crowded theater doesn't really mean that the movie's good, but it does mean that people are going to watch it, especially if it's a Tuesday night. Okay. Makes so sense. that being said, it's got a lot of marketability to it. It's definitely in line with a lot of the other Marvel stuff that you have seen over the past 10 years. And I would say that if you are anywhere interested in the MCU that you go and see it. If you kind of keep up with MCU, um, go and see it. Um, if you like Spider-Man but don't care about anything else, go and see it. If you want to watch a good summer popcorn movie, go and see it. So it's definitely it's definitely one of the better movies I think that you can go and check out that fits a lot of needs. You got some action, you got a lot of comedy, you got like teen drama, so like it fits age groups, it fits uh, you know different categories. So I definitely would uh, go check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. Uh, I am definitely a MCU Marvel uh, movie kind of a guy, 
And being of that mindset, I definitely had to see it in the theaters. Even if we weren't doing this particular movie review, I would have gone and see it in the theaters, possibly more than once. Um, but more, more than that, I think this has such a broad appeal as a film that it is one of those things that you can uh, more easily justify spending the hard-earned dollars that it takes to go to the local movie theater and enjoy the experience with the other people that uh, will inevitably get up before the end of credit scenes actually roll because by now they still haven't figured out that there's end of credit scenes. <laughs> and you missed out if you didn't watch. You just stick around for these. So, so I, I believe we're both in agreement. Well, we're seeing in the theaters, unless you are just absolutely against superhero films and just don't like Marvel or just hate Spider Man for some reason. Hate Jake Gyllenhaal for some reason. He uh, is dreamy. Yeah, I, I had somebody tell me that they just like Jake the other uh, day. Was it today? Yesterday? And it just floored me. It's like, I can't believe that you actually said that. He's fantastic. How could you possibly say that? I started to throttle him. And and, uh, then he made me stop. Um, (laughs) So, that is our synopsis. Our spoiler-free spoiler mostly (laughs) spoiler-free pre... We said they're after credit stuff. Mostly spoiler-free. You can go on on the Googles and read that right now. That is true. Uh, You can also go on the Googles and read how it's already uh, made $600 million at the box office in the first week. And as long as it makes another $400 million Marvel will retain control to be able to make the third cooperative Spider-Man film so that we don't get another awful one. Or they try to introduce it in some weird standalone Sony movie like, let's say, oh, I don't know, Venom or Morbius. Yeah. 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 Eh, Morbius, Mobius. Pronounce it how you will. I I am mildly apprehensive about that. Morpheus. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, such a pill. Um, so we have gotten past the first section, and we're about to enter into the scientific discovery section, where we tear things apart, and it will be so much fun. But before we get there, we have to acknowledge a few things. One thing I love to acknowledge is that we have a social media presence. What? Yeah. Get out of town. No. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Let me go. Get out of town. Really? Get we out. have it. It's there. We are on Facebook as Pudding Guys. We are on Instagram as Pudding Guys. You can follow us even on Twitter as Real Pudding Guys. We are even on Patreon, possibly even the most important of the group, because we need your support to help us make our little productions, to help us get to the really neat people that we want to interview, to help us, you know, in so many ways, in so many small ways. And we have a neat little tool that we're going to be bringing into existence here very soon. We've teased it a couple times. And I always say it's right around the corner because I don't understand what it takes to go into making these things very well, apparently. Mm. And it always gets brought to my attention that it's going to take just a little longer than I think it's going to. But for real, it's almost here. And it will be really useful. It helps us make these things. And we can't wait to bring them to you. Now, we only have a single section in the Patreon right now because no everybody's money is really tight nowadays 
and it's only $1 per month to be able to support the Pudding Guys and help us make this. Now, we will have some more stuff coming up soon at some different tiers to be able to have possibly a say in some of the episode ideas that come up or to possibly help us create these tools a little faster. Uh, Possibly some merchandise that we will be coming up with. (laughs) So many good things. But keep an eye out. We are on Patreon as unsurprisingly. Pudding guys. Weird. Yeah, definitely come and see us. All right. Now that we're past the obligatory self-promotion phase, let's get into breaking down the movie one step at a time. Now, he kind of went over it just a little bit, and if you've seen any of our reviews, you know the deal. The score will be 100 points at the end, but we will have subcategories. We're going to go into cast. That's worth up to 20 points. We're going to go into costuming and props. That is worth up to 10 points. We're going to go into the location, which is worth up to 10 points. We're going to go into cinematography. That's worth 20 because that's where all the effects, good or bad, are going to reside among all of the blocking and all the little bits and pieces that go into things. We'll go into the plot and the writing, the thing that usually makes or breaks the film, worth 20 points. And if I didn't mention it before, the director. 20 points. Did I miss anything? Bonus points, but we already mentioned Yeah, that. we already mentioned that. So, here we go. So, where do we want to start this time? Let's, let's let this nice gentleman, this nice gentleman right here, decide what category we start with. Let's throw a curveball into it and do locations. I mean, obviously, it is called Far From Home, yep. so locations played a key point in the movie. And I was actually really surprised uh, at how much I enjoyed the the location switches here and there. I mean, they still had the mildly agitating "I'm going to print the name of a location on the on the screen" thing that every movie does. Uh, though they did use it to some comedic effect within the film, which was really enjoyable when they were in the Netherlands and brought up the location that, unless you're from the Netherlands, you could not possibly hope to pronounce correctly, Mm -hmm. which is something I can really empathize with because I know there's at least going to be one name I'm going to trip over in this review right here. No. Never happens, right? Hmm. Sam Smith. That one I can get right. Samuel L. Jackson. Jackman, yes, of course. Got it, yep. Right. So, what did you think? What did you think of the locations? Uh, I liked how they were in all of these different places. And whether they are actually representative of these places or cities, I don't know. I've never been there. I don't know what Prague looks like. But what they presented to us as Prague looked pretty nice. Looked Prague-ish. Um, London um, looked very London-y. Um, from what I can tell, you know, uh, I liked the tulip fields. That was kind of a small, fun bit. Uh, that was enjoyable. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think. There was a lot. Of, oh, so they were in Venice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bits and pieces of some places. They were in Mexico for a hot second. Just real quick. Um, you know, back home in uh, New York City, right at the end. Right. So I, everything was presented well I, I didn't really see gosh too many distractions from the locations at all there were no instances where it seemed that they went to this location just so they could feel exotic or uh, something that was potentially just unnecessary I thought everything blended really well um, 
I really enjoyed some of the stark contrasts. I mean, by going to these different places, you get just kind of a refreshing change of scenery, which... And he didn't mean that as a pun, by the way. (laughs) I would never do that. (laughs) No, no. If I can bring up a stark pun in every single episode, that will be fantastic. But it, it, it it was just really nice. And I thought, even if they didn't actually go to the places, then they still did a good job. If you stayed through the credits, you saw they recorded in just a ton of places. Some of them, it seems that they did go on location. Some of them, not so much. They recorded in Australia. Wherever you could get them tax breaks. I'm, I'm guessing that must be part of it. Uh, I believe there was some recording in Canada as well. They have uh, I, I saw did like see four that. or five different locations that they that they actually recorded in. So, yeah, I mean, it seemed they went to some efforts to bring at least a, a a location that could give the ambiance that would reflect where they really wanted to be. Correct. Yep. So, what do you think? Uh, on a location standpoint, out of a 10 points, what would you give it? I definitely, I, I will go with 9 on this one. 9 on that one? Um, I think that I agree with you, and I will also go with a 9 on that location. I mean, they couldn't have gotten much better. Maybe if uh, maybe if they had made it to uh, something, you know, something like a, a, an Asian country or, or something like that for no particular reason. You know, if he'd have woken up in like... If he'd have woken up in Japan, <laughs> that would have been pretty entertaining. Hmm. Uh, that's just me. But you know, couldn't have those same soccer hooligans. And no, no, it would have been a much funnier thing. That they could have still given him the clothes, but they'd have been dressed completely differently. Neither of them would have understood each other whatsoever. Hmm. <laughs> it would have yes. been pretty fun. But of course, there are no direct trains, as far as I know, from Prague to Japan. Plus, you know, he'd have been out for a real long time, even if there were. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to costuming and props. Since we're going to go, we're going to start easy. We're going to just ease into this. What did you think of the costuming and props in this one? Good, sir. I really appreciated the Mysterio costume. Um, fantastic. I really liked that. And I like, so, okay. I feel like this character and how this character works should be really one of the harder things to actually present right in a modern setting and i liked how they did his fishbowl as like a digital fishbowl and not a real fishbowl yeah i was kind of curious how they were going to pull that off when i heard about mysterio being involved and they really could not have done any better and if you've ever seen his early incarnations in the comic books the dude looked like he was wearing green spandex covered in fishnet material, basically, yeah. with that fishbowl on top of it. And his cape was less of a cape and more of a, a throw over the kitchen table. He just took the uh, the table covering off and was wearing it. It was awful. And it got better over the years, but it never lost that hokey, just can't take it seriously kind of level of just awful. And they turned that into awesome. Yeah. In the film, I thought I thought that was really cool. Um, actually, you know, one of the highlights I, I, I think throughout the movie was when you saw that from head to toe that presentation. I thought that was spot on. Yeah. The spider suits. I mean, whatever. I, I'm not super like, oh my gosh, they got the symbol on his chest this size, or like, oh, it's black with the red, like. 
cool. Like, I'm not into it like that. But I did appreciate the different versions of them. Um, the Iron Spider, well, the Nanobot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Spider um, costume. That was cool. I, I mean, not have a problem with that at all. Everybody it showed up enough for cohesion. Yeah. Yep. So that that was fine. Um, I'm trying to think. Everybody dressed uh, appropriately for the things that they went to see. Mm-hmm. Those were fine. The what did you think of the glasses? I mean, that's kind of what they look like. You can buy them right now, actually. They <laughs> pop up on like Instagram all the time. You can buy those glasses. It's pretty funny. Yeah. But um, on him, they looked awful. Yeah, they did not look good on but him. But that was, that was kind of the point, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, on Mysteria, which you didn't see Jake wear them that much. But they're they look, supposed to look better. Yes, that's the impression they wanted to give you, and I, I have this feeling that you're going to say, "Oh, they look good on you." I don't think they look good on Jake. Either. They look better. They look better, but they still looked like they were a relic of the '60s. Yes. Now, when you saw those glasses on the Tony Stark character, let's say in um, Infinity War, they weren't the same design. No, the, the frames were not the the same. No. So. Um, they were a focal point in. Would you call them? Not. I wouldn't call them a MacGuffin. Would you call them? A MacGuffin? No, not really. That's just They're, not exactly an item. Of, well, it kind of depends on your definition. It could be argued that it is, but I don't think so. Yeah, not really. and they even though they were a focal point, they I don't know. They weren't designed. I don't think they were supposed to look awesome. No, and they they definitely didn't. I think they I think they achieved the what was needed for the film and served served the purpose. Yeah. Um, what about the um, what about the I, I was going to ask specifically about the um, talking about the the use basically of the stuff in the museum the the. The little bits and pieces, the mace and the, the shield. Yeah, so like that, I had a, that whole scene was just that bugged me. But <laughs> those props they used within there, I do appreciate how he said, Oh, it's a halberd. Yes. Like, like, I, 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 I kind of had a little internal squeal. It's like, you know, I do that to all of my friends all of the time. Yeah, so I was like, I get it. Funny, perfect. But the one that they were using for the prop looked like a piece of plastic, and it, mm. I don't know. So all like the, that was probably the weakest thing. Like that whole setup, that whole that whole scene actually was meh. And and the the mace, and that's not it's not a mace because that's not a true it's a mace. with with the spikes. I was like, it's literally a mace. Yeah. But it was like. In immaculate condition. Oh, yeah. There's no way it would look that good. Yeah. So, once again, that whole scene, I, I had a... I, I did like that at all, but whatever. Um, what about... Nitpicking. Oh, yeah, exactly. Hey, we warned when I when I put this up on Twitter, I said we were going to be nitpicking because I already knew we both liked the film. We pick, we pick at nits a lot. Yes, yes, we do. Um, what about the... What about the headgear for... Uh, Mysterio's character when he wasn't in the full costume, that kind of uh, the, 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 the fishbowl suit with the fishbowl there. 
I thought that was pretty awesome. That that design, it it, it again one of those things where it just kind of lent the right feel, and it just had this had this high tech side to it, but yet not as high tech as what you would see something from like Iron Man or some of the Avengers. Like they're almost there, but not quite kind of feel. Yeah, and the little jumpsuity type thing with the helmet. I I totally bought into it because that's something that I feel like you would see if you were watching them film this movie, somebody was probably in a suit like that at some point in time. Yeah. Um not with the helmet of course and then things around the neck, but that's kind of the idea is that it was the suit to represent how the movements would be presented um for the actual Mysterio character overlay, basically. So yeah, I thought that was pretty good. That 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 to me was kind of the major, major, um, major yes. points to kind of cover between the costuming and the props because there really wasn't much else. I mean, they had a little fixation on the suitcase, which was supposed to carry the significance because it had the initials of you know Ben Lyndon on. Baines Johnson, LBJ. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, according to the uh, movie, got burned to a crisp. That's correct. You saw it in the trailer, and you thought it might be a point of emphasis, and it was just... It, it was, yeah, it's gone. They fooled us, you guys. <laughs> or maybe it's not. Maybe somebody found it with the Spider-Man suit, and they will find out that, speed, that Spider-Man is actually Peter Parker. No, I guess that won't happen. I loved the end. I did love the end. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to that. That's not a problem. No, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't think they could have really done much better uh, on, on the props. I, again, I'm going to give that one a 9 out of 10, too. Yeah, because the Mysterio costume was just too cool. Uh, I almost, almost give that one a 10, but not quite. Just because that scene that we were talking about, the, the props and that were a little little below. Little you had below the budget for everything else. Just like the budget for that. Like, uh, don't, get, don't get the suits of armor too close. Yeah. <laughs> they're all in the foreground and they're blurry. Yeah, Go. yeah. No, that works. All right. Well, let's, let's start back at the beginning. Kind of beginning. Let's talk about the director. Hmm. And this, what's the director's name? <laughs> it is John Watts. Uh, John Watts was the director of the previous Spider-Man film. Oh. So we got some oh. consistency going in. He also did movies like Cop Car, which had uh, Kevin Bacon in it, which, I mean, how can you go wrong with Kevin Bacon in a film? So, I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. Plus, he did some um, Onion stuff, some of the television program stuff directing that they did he's been producer on a bunch of stuff too and uh so you're saying we've not seen him do anything except this other spider-man movie not true he did several videos for the band fat boy slim oh (laughs) (laughs) was that that did they do that stupid treadmill one was that fat boy slim um maybe i truthfully I haven't really watched music videos in quite a long time, so I have seen one Fat Boy Slim video, and I think it's, I think it's the one with Christopher Walken in it. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. 
That was pretty much it. Like 20 years ago. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little out of date on that sort of a thing. But yeah, I got no idea. Yeah, not a lot of uh, directorial things to kind of point to, but who cares? As soon as I found out that the director of the previous Spider-Man film was on the current Spider-Man film, I was happy. Because yep. uh, the last one was so good. I mean, uh, it was. I felt... I felt convinced that they would do the right thing again. And I appreciate that you bring in certain iconic Spider-Man bad guys. And it's the ones that aren't the popular ones per se. And they're the ones that are really some of the more difficult ones to pull off. Pull off. Stupid. Yes. Or to have their character come from somewhere that makes sense. Which reminds me, I'm going to take a, a smallish break. Not not a break, but I'm just going to insert here. John Watts to direct the Fantastic Four movie whenever that happens. Because this level of combination of action and humor and the positivity that it portrays, that's what needs to be present in a Fantastic Four movie. And all of the Fantastic Four visions, villains, all of the Fantastic Four villains, with the exception of Doctor Doom, were pretty dumb. I mean, hard to take, hard to take seriously. You got like Mole Man. Oh gosh, I want to see a Mole Man so bad. I do too, and I think if Watts did it, it would be good. I see. I think the problem with the Fantastic Four is that you you have the character like the Super Scroll. Right, and there's a lot of storyline with the secret invasion. Did they lead into that type of stuff? Mm. Please, oh gosh. Please. So, unfortunately, I Give think Clert. I think that's where it's going to go. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say probably not, yeah. just because they're going to be so far out in doing any of these projects with the X Men properties or the Fantastic Four properties. I can hope. That that's going to be what's going to be there, but I, I it's going to be years out. I, I, I have a feeling. I, I hope that's not the case, but I, I really, I really want to see it done right. Um, and truthfully, I, I didn't dislike the 2005 Fantastic Four film. I, I enjoyed that one. The Silver Surfer, yeah. Uh, and for the 20 minutes of the 2015 Fantastic Four that I watched. <laughs> that one didn't stand a chance. I, uh, but not a big fan of that one. If you watch the numbers and you look at a movie that we reviewed recently, X Men Dark Phoenix, actually by the money and the profits, X Men Dark Phoenix will be the bigger bust of the two movies. Strangely yeah. enough, yeah. Uh, that's right. I keep having to forget. You are down and to my left, and you're up there. Yeah. Down and to my left. It'll be like JFK. Uh, so down and to my left. Okay. Well, what do you think? Any any other kind of final thoughts on the director? Or are we ready to score this guy? Well, I liked the Mysterio sequences with Spider-Man in that, like, when he was kind of beating him up and they're going through the wavy little things. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, if you've watched any of the Spider-Man cartoons and some of the presentations of Mysterio like that's how it's been presented in a visual medium like that right so to put that to be able to have that direction to do that I thought was pretty good um, you've got 
it's not it, it's not the same cast in a sense of all these superstars, but it's still a cast that has a lot of people in it that have star power. Yeah. So to be able to direct all those and get them together and on the same page and do all that type of stuff, um, and most likely still be a, a yes man to Marvel. I mean, that's hard to navigate. Yeah. Yes man to Sony too. So I think he did a really good job. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and in that case, I would probably give, you know, 16 out of 20 on the direction. I was actually thinking the exact same number. Fantastic. I'm glad we are so one, so mentally on the same page. Well, let's get to the cast then, because this is always the part that takes the longest and kind of the, the, the bringing up of who they are and what they've done. But we're going to abbreviate things just a little bit, because, again, first of all, a lot of these people have been in the other MCU films. If you don't know who they are by now, uh, Wikipedia is a fantastic resource. <laughs> but <laughs> IMDb. IMDb is a better resource. Um, but so some of the individuals that have been in the other films, obviously, you've got Samuel L. Jackson reprising as Nick Fury. You've got Tom Holland reprising as Peter Parker. You've got Jake Gyllenhaal, who has not been reprising anything as Mysterio. But if you don't know who Jake Gyllenhaal is by now, you've probably not been watching movies uh, real often. Marissa Tomei, as, uh, as she's been referred to as Hot May instead of Aunt May, which is pretty funny. Uh, I think she's doing great as Aunt May, a slightly non-traditional variation on it. Uh, John Favreau, who I just adore in directing or acting, uh, reprising as Happy. And, of course, you have Kobe Smulders uh, reprising her role uh, as the right-hand agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Don't forget Zendaya. Well, we're getting there. Okay. We're getting there because people won't be quite as familiar with her because while she was in the previous Spider-Man film uh, as still as Mary Jane, she wasn't in any of the other Marvel properties and her career is much shorter because she hasn't been acting all that long, comparatively. She's actually got mm-hmm. quite a few credits to her name, but this is still, that was actually kind of where I wanted to start because she did so good. Um is she is she married? I don't think she's Mary Jane in these movies. She's MJ. Well, it's it's the same thing. Yes, it's the character. Yes, it's the same thing. I will call her Mary Jane because MJ is Mary Jane. Mary Jane Watson Parker. Yeah. So that's that, that's always going to be that's always going to be my mindset in in terms of of the naming of the character. But imagine how hard it has to be. I mean, because she was just kind of. There, but not there in the previous film because they were, they were not focusing on that character so much yet. So she has to become the love interest, but you don't want to force it in there and make it just n- not organic and just not hit right. So she has to be strong enough to be really accepted, but not so strong to be overpowering. So they're trying to update the mythos and update... The, the character, so she's not just someone to be rescued, uh, that she has... Yeah, she's more. Yeah, yep. she's got character of herself, that she's just as capable, just doesn't have powers kind of thing. So this, this balancing act in the writing has to be matched by somebody that can understate the delivery, 
but still have it come across in a way that's going to hit with who's watching it. And I think she just nailed it. She did a great job. I do want to bring up, and I was thinking, like, Zendaya's, I think, maybe more popular than what you think. I, I or, took a look, well, and, and I will always say this. I have not watched children's programming in quite some time. And... Nor have I. And there's a lot of her stuff that is in that in that in the tween range. Correct. Correct. But this so this not, is a good no. indication of of her popularity. She's got fifty eight million followers on Instagram. That doesn't mean anything to me. We have twenty. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but. A, a million, a million's a lot, two million's a lot, ten million's a lot, 58 million, that's, that's now, a lot. But here's the question, though. Did she have 58 million before the Spider-Man films? Uh, before this one? I'd say she's probably in the 50 million range, for sure. I'm talking about before the first one. 45 million. Okay, so you're saying I am just missing stuff. I can accept that. Yeah, she's she is kind of now. Let, let's be honest with us. We're not social media people, so we don't know how that works. But if you are a certain age range with social media, that's all you do. So a lot of the like, you know, she's young enough, and she's been in these things where she's been. We you watched her grow up. She's been in TV for quite some time, but that age great that age group is the age group that does social media. So, you know, of these millions of followers, a lot of them are the people that have grown up with her over the course sure. of these years. But now she's like, uh, she, she does like modeling. She's got a clothing line. She's got yep. all this stuff. So she's, she, it, it may be hard to think, but as far as overall stardom, she may be the biggest star in this movie. Really? Yes. Now like everybody Pat Samuel L. Jackson level of fame. Yes. Yes. Really? Yes. Now, now I'm not talking about movie star fame, right? I'm Just not talking social about social media fame, social media worldwide gotcha. fame, that type of thing. I, gotcha. it's, it's, I was going to say there is no flipping way. <laughs> After the recording, I was going to have to smack you about the head for such a ridiculous. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. So, like, just just by comparison. Now, this is the di- different audience, right? Sure. Samuel L. Jackson, five point nine million uh, followers on on Instagram. So, sure. that, that's that's a huge difference. I'm just saying, type of stardom. Yeah, yeah. No, it's completely completely I mean, different. But in like, my mind, I'm thinking. You say the names and Daya to my to my family, most of them, and they'll go who. But if you say Samuel Jackson to anybody I have ever met, they'll go, yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. And and he like I said he's the bigger star. It's kind of like um, Cristiano, uh, like okay, Ronaldo, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo, baseball player, soccer player. Oh, that's close. biggest like one of the biggest stars in the world, but few people in the United States care less about him. Yeah, but soccer is in the world like less respect. The one of the biggest stars in the world, hands down. Mm-hmm. But like I said, in, in our world, in the United States, eh, he could probably eh. walk around and most people wouldn't have any idea who he was. Yep. yep. Now, I, I get that. I get that. And like I said, I can accept that. Uh, but like I said, with me not knowing who she was, 
really not watched anything else she's been in other than the first Spider-Man film. Still, she has did fantastic. She yes, like she's she's got a good. Uh, I mean, she's she's very young. Still, relative to you know, like a lot of the other people in the movie, like what sixteen, seventeen? No, she's in her twenties. I know, I'm, I'm playing. Okay, it's, she she looks like it. She looks joke, like she's fifteen. It's a joke referring to how they always have people that are much older than high school playing high school people. That's absolutely true. But for what she's done in the past on like Disney Channel stuff, it's she knocks it out of the ballpark with this. I think absolutely. Well, along those lines, what about uh, uh, Jacob Batalon? Batalon? I told you I was going to at least mangle one name. Uh, the the gentleman that plays Ned, Jacob B. We'll call him Jacob B. Um, I liked him in the first film, and I continue to like him even more in this one. Again, talking about having the the if you're going to have a best friend kind of character, having somebody that can portray it in such a way that you just can't help but like the guy, regardless of what the writing is, just the way that he acts on the screen. It seems like a load of fun. Yeah, fun and natural. Yeah. Like he's not struggling to play that character. No, no. Almost maybe like an extension of who he really is. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then I applaud you, sir, because you are an actor. Fantastic. Um, you got got... Uh, uh, Tony Revolori, who played Flash, um, I am I am calling this one now. That dude's going to be big. I have a, I have this feeling. Uh, there are two people in this film that I ha- I think are poised to kind of become much bigger because he's got a great look to him. Which casting him as Flash, Flash in the comic books is such kind of a white bread blue-eyed, blonde hair kind of jock. Mm-hmm. And it, they've really changed up the, the casting of the characters in a much more interesting way. Um, not that that's really important one way or the other, but that allows for that allows for some, some individuals to just kind of have a chance to kind of amaze that I might not have otherwise had a chance to see because I don't again another actor who I've not really watched anything else that he's been in yeah um, but he's got to play this character that is uh, a bit of a bully but uh, they've written it in such a way that he's he's got some depth to him they don't give him a lot of screen time but the screen time again that he gets He's got a lot of charisma. Makes an impact. Yeah, he makes an impact. So I have, I have a feeling that he'll get bigger and better parts and will continue to do really well. I'm interested to what the Flash Thompson character is going to be. Is it just going to be the regular old Flash Thompson character? Oh, I would really like them to do the whole military angle and rescue Venom from this ridiculousness that they've did on the previous film yeah that that was my thing where flash thompson becomes venom which is like a a slightly different version of venom and like a a true hero version of venom right and he's part of like the spider squad if you will it'll never happen but it'd be interesting to see it even if it's just a little hint a little tease yep that'd be pretty awesome um uh and jory rice uh, you've got uh, 
Betty Brant. So the blonde girl that uh, does the news program and is Ned's girlfriend for the trip. Yes. <laughs> she did really good, too. The, the Betty Brant character. Tell me more about that character in the comic books. Isn't that a... It's a love interest for Peter at points. Yes, that's okay. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, I doubt that will go anywhere near that with with this particular incarnation. But um, and it may just be that she's Betty Brant in name only. Uh, but re- regardless, her bits in the previous Spider-Man film, she along with the uh, other actor that she was with and the little videos that they put together, just. Did fantastic and giving her some more screen time, really, really good. I think that was a great, a great thing because she, she did a good job making the most of the time that she had. Yeah, and uh, that character and the Ned character had a good rapport in the, in their little relationship too. So, some some funny, some amusing parts. Let's call them. I would definitely say so. You got uh, Remy Hill, who is Bill. Uh, the individual that catches Peter uh, in his state of undress with the the woman in in the hills of Tony Garn. Yeah. Now that's that's kind of something else that's interesting. Um, he's the other one that I think that has a huge upside. Dude is uh, on top of being just super handsome, uh, striking gentleman. Kind of like. Handsome enough that he steals the spotlight from anybody else he is anywhere near in the film. Um, but again, just kind of seems like he's got a good comedic sense uh, sense of timing, and uh, he's able to emote very well. Uh, combine all that together, and again, just kind of a, a vehicle for something a lot of fun. I think. Yep. Um. So, you remember the Mr. Harrington character, right? You know the name of the actor? Oh, yeah. Martin Starr. Yeah. That dude's been in a lot of things. Not as the person, but as a person who's in the thing. And he's all, like, you recognize him from so many awesome things. Yes. Um, Gosh. uh, So, I never, some of the things that he's in, I've never really watched so like freaks and geeks yeah i great show i'd never really watched it honestly i watched it a little bit um silicon valley has been popular now for the last i don't know how many years a great show on hbo never really watched it now the one i did watch was party down that's where i actually was introduced to him party down was on showtime um it ran for just a couple of seasons Really funny. The cast in that show is ridiculous. If you ever get a chance to watch Party Down, it is fantastic. But he's one of the characters that's in that show. Now, what I really want to know, and I think one of the things that really speaks to me about this particular actor, is I cannot tell if some of his lines were ad-libbed or whether they were scripted. Because they Mm. felt ad-libbed. Like, how could they actually write this particular line? So either he is a fantastic ad-libber and got some really funny stuff in there, or he's able to take what was written and give it kind of this life where it's just, again, one of those instances where he's got a little bit of chance to steal the scene away from everything, talking about his his wife not actually blipping out, but <laughs> leaving yeah. with, a, with yeah. a hiking instructor or some such. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, yeah that's a good question. Is it 50-50? Is it, I, I imagine they're pretty, they got a pretty tight grip on these Marvel movies, so you got to stick to the script quite a bit. So, uh, but I, I could see him doing some of that because he's from that family of show where yeah. you do a lot of ad living. Yeah, there are just at least five or six different instances in the movie. I go, that looks like an ad lib. And I would love to know that, whether that was the case or not. Uh, GB Smoove. Ooh. Dude's cool. Curb your enthusiasm. So he that's where I currently would recognize him from. Um, he's but been he, doing stuff for tons a long of stuff. time. Tons like the 90s. Stuff. Tons. Yeah, so I mean... He he. If if I thought there was a weak spot, and I don't, but if I thought there was a weak spot, I would think it would be this character, the character, and like the character Not that the actor that he always plays is more. I don't know what you'd call it. Just like not outrageous, but more like more vocal and more active and more into what he's saying or arguing. Mm. And he was, he seemed, cause that's what I'm used to seeing him as. And in this one, he's so subdued. Yeah, I was going to say dialed back quite a bit. It seems like he's the person that could just go crazy and then just didn't. He talks about witches a couple times and suggests somebody not take pictures in the bathroom. Didn't seem all that useful. We'll get to that more in the plot, but that also means I didn't really get. I felt a chance to see the actor shine so much. He was he was there, um, and I'm not, I, I'm not going to fault that on the actor on that one. I'm not even really going to probably fault that on the writing. It's just one of those instances. You've got so many people that are so good in this film, and so many little bits of good writing. There's just not enough time and room for everything. You've got to fault that on the Marvel. Yeah, well, I'll fault it somewhere. Oh, what about Newman Akar? Acer? I'm going to go with Akar because it's A-C-A-R. Yeah, I think it's Akar. This will be my second chance to really mess up a name. He was in another movie I reviewed not too recently. Or not, not too not long ago. Not too recently? No, not, I wish it was not too recently. The farther I could get it away from me, the better. But he was in Aladdin. Hakeem. Yeah. Well, he's actually one of the good parts of Aladdin. Um, he had what? One line? And he got to load his gun. But he was awesome. Oh, yeah. How is that possible? I thought he was going to do more in the movie, and it never ended up happening. I but. felt so cheated because, oh, this guy looks like he's going to be cool. Nothing. <laughs> he drove the bus around. Go in there, meet girl. <laughs> but, yeah, he's he's kind of, uh, he, was, he was still funny for the bits that he had. Yeah. And of course, maybe my favorite of the little uh, little bits of uh, actor choice, uh, Peter Billingsley. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I thought he looked pretty familiar. Yeah, he. I mean, it's it's hard to get away from Ralphie in a Christmas story. He's he's always gonna be Ralphie, but he was he really was in the original Iron Man film. It's the same actor. Mm-hmm. And they did that for a couple of the. The Stark employees. Yeah. Um, But the thing that most people may not know is uh, Peter Billingsley also was an executive producer in Iron Man. I see that. So he, um, I have have this feeling that he had real faith in the MCU before there was an MCU. 
which is really kind of cool. It's true. And now, and now look at it. He, so he is there for the beginning of the first epic overarching storyline and for the end, which is so nice. They did that several times in this film in one way, shape, or form. But uh, And he did great as the kind of, not exactly a toady, but underling. Underling. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that was. I think he did really good with that. Not really much to say about the performance because he didn't get a lot of screen time. But um, what he had was good. Um, and we've got two more people I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicholas Gleaves, Guterman. If you have uh, a chance to look up this gentleman's resume on IMDb, he's been in a lot of stuff. Just a stupid amount of stuff. I mean, it's, as soon as I saw him, I was like, I know this guy. Where, where do I know him from? Where do I know him from? <laughs> just a lot. I, I'm not even going to bring up individual titles because it's just, he's just been in a ton. So I really appreciated the whole uh, storytelling aspect they pulled with that character. And I think he I think he pulled it off pretty well. I just wanted to mention that because it was one of those instances where I know you from something. And I always like you in the something that you're in, but I don't remember <laughs> any of the specifics. And he got a couple, like one, two, three bits of specific screen time with, well, maybe four, with actual dialogue, too. So yeah. he he had a little chance to shine. All right. I saved my favorite for last. Oh, yeah. Killer. J.K. Simmons. Oh, man. Oh, that just made made me so happy at the very end uh, of the film because J.K. Simmons, whenever they made the next Spider-Man film, the first thing I thought is, uh, hold on, you cannot get a better J. Jonah than J.K. Simmons. No, no matter who you get, it's not going to be as good. He was perfect. I mean, there is no two ways about it. I don't think you can find anybody that would disagree. Yeah, that when when you look back at those original Spider-Man films, love or hate Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. and honestly, I thought for how they wanted that character to be, I thought he was fine in in those movies. You know, love or hate a lot of the characters in that one. The, the J. Jonah Jameson character was spot, spot on. on, spot on, and and the way Simmons was able to bring it, and the people they surrounded him with in that office in the original again. Perfect. Robbie was about as I expected Robbie to be. Maybe a little more, maybe not as heavy as I as some of the plot lines because Robbie got in some kind of darker plot lines. He had some bad things happen to him. But I mean, all in all, that whole office of the Daily Bugle is really good. But at its core, you've got to have Jay Jonah. But uh, so yeah, seeing him at the end that just made me ecstatic. Anybody we missed? No, no. That's no pretty we much mentioned everybody. pretty much everybody. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we ignored pedestrian walking on road and you know things like that. But yeah, we had a mention for pretty much everybody in the cast. Yeah, yeah, and that's how good the cast was because even when you get to the secondary and the third level characters, the people playing them, they all did great. They all had their moments to shine and were able to make the most of the the characters that they were given. Shine. I um. I don't know. 17? Hmm. I think that's fair. Yes. 
All right, so now let's go to cinematography. This is where things can sometimes start to break down, especially considering this is where the CGI comes into play. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. The, the drones maybe were the weak spot. The drones and the multiple Spider-Mans uh, in, the, in the hallucination scene. Yeah, yes. Okay. They were really rubbery and fake looking. Yes. Like, you're right. And I mentioned the presentation of those uh, scenes, and I appreciated the actual scene. But oh, you're yeah. right. The CGI in there were in them were almost cartoony. cartoony. And I don't know if that was intentional oh, or yeah. what. Definitely. It had to be. Because for the most part, I liked it. But in just a couple of small instances, like the, the multiple Spider-Man, it just it just looked really fake. But luckily, in those few instances they were so short, you're on to the next thing, whatever yeah. it was. So that, that wasn't so bad. Uh, or the marching army of Mysterios after going into the spider's eye. That was a neat idea, but it looked just off, just a little off. And it, and it threw me just a little bit. Yep, I, I, I saw that too. Yep. Um, the CGI, for the most part, just gorgeous. I mean, like the slow-mo scenes and the action sequences where he's fighting the, uh, the, the drones, uh, the, the, the stop sequences, just fantastic. I mean, you couldn't get much better than that. The uh, giant flame monster and the giant air monster that's supposed to be CGI, meh. It's okay. They were fine. Yeah. Like, we. I think I've mentioned this before in some of the CGI things in, in, in these Marvel movies in general. Most of, I mean, a lot of these things have to be CGI. They, they just have to be. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are good, but there's some things that just really stand out. I mean, like when we watched in, uh, Infinity War, I, I know I still mentioned how as good as Thanos was, like his face and his mouth movements weren't yeah or at the end of infinity war when iron man's blasting his thing and his his armor is all beat up and broken you know, like it just looks like the, a toy. The, the, yeah it was weird so they definitely have their misses but you can only do so much right you can't just sit there and edit and edit and edit no, and get clean no. and clean and clean so you can only make it as good as you can make it undead iron man looked good yeah that was that was solid um the um, the scene in the bar where they're undoing the illusion for the first time super solid. I, I like that. That was that was really good. I like the effects, the the subtlety of it. That was really nice. And this will be more of the plot point. But when that happened, I was like, yes, yeah. I was I was pretty stoked about that. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for that shoe to drop. <laughs> for the how long is it going to take for them to finally just say, okay, he's the villain? Because you don't see it in any of the commercials. And I know again, it's it's plot, but that is just superior marketing from Sony and Marvel, and the fact that they do enough in the in the in the advertisements and the trailers. For all those diehard comic people, or even the semi-casual comic people that know Mysterio is a bad guy. He's never been a good guy in anything that I've ever seen. 
But still, they put that just that little seed of doubt. Oh, alternate Earth. Well, that's a thing that's in comics, too. Maybe this really is a good guy, Mysterio. No, there's no way. There's no. zero chance that's happening. I was never even for a moment. Well, okay. One percent. One percent of me goes, yeah. well, they might. Like, they... Like, I don't know what direction it would go. It'd be interesting if this was an alter universe, alternate universe thing, but, like, if this is an alternate universe, then you had the Mysterio from your universe. Where is that Mysterio Well, at? and that was, that was the only way I could do it in my head, if they were going to do it that way, that the, the, this actually is a heroic Mysterio from another universe, dies in the battle, our Mysterio finds the stuff, becomes a villain. That was the only way that I could kind of come up with it, and that would have been extraordinarily lame. Yeah. And this worked out well. Yeah, this this worked out really well. But going back to the going back to the cinematography. Um, if there was a real downside, a lot of the a lot of the shots were busy. I mean Well, you mean like with the drones? With all the drones. There's yeah. a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot the of drones. There's a lot of drones. Um, the space shots were particularly nice. Um, I liked that. Um, the I liked the the callback that they did with the uh, uh, virtual uh, interface when uh, Spider-Man's making his new suit and puts his hand through the virtual interface, just like Tony Stark did when he was designing the Iron Man armor in the yeah. first film. That's that's that was a nice little callback. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Some of the transitions when they went from CGI to practical effects. This CGI thing is exploding, and then practical effect is the actor with the strings getting pulled back to the fake bridge, and then the fake rocks flying at him. Yeah, like a little jarring. Just like we're we're missing something here. Like. I get the practical effect things, but if you're doing CGI for explosions and all the rocks with explosions, do the practical effect of him flying back into a wall, but then do uh, a CGI of a couple rocks flying in there. You know, so it was just like you went from straight CGI to straight practical back into CGI. So some of those transitions were nitpicking, right? That's that's what we do. That's what we're here to do. And but I like to think we're really good at it. I I, I kind of noticed. Some of those things. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's not really a lot to say. I mean, for the most part, in terms of the conversational pieces, they did fine. In terms of the we're taking our tour pieces, they were fine. I mean, everything, for the most part, was pretty good. The The effects of the Spider-Man armors in the beginning was was good. I mean, for the most part, it's good. There were just a couple things that were just maybe... Not enough to pull me out of the suspension of disbelief to, to take me out of the movie, but still just a little uneasy, I guess, is the, the best way. Yeah, to not not perfect. Not perfect. Presentation was great. Um, the jet was that was never actually there. Looked yeah, like a jet. That was solid. Um, hovering over the tulip fields, the colors were pretty, but you could... That wasn't a good tulip field, but... No. Uh, um, you know, all the stuff was good. Yeah, the 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 elementals, they weren't bad. I liked no. like like the the uh, 
the water one was fine. The air water combo one at the end was okay. It was all right. The the fire molten one. Some shots I thought it looked good, and some shots I was just, just like not not quite. Not, not quite but yeah. yeah, what are you gonna do? That yeah. that was a hard one to get the the abstract monster on screen. You're not gonna please everybody on that, even if you pull it off as perfectly as you think that you can. So maybe we're just falling into that kind of minority of that was just not terribly impressed by it. Yeah. But yeah, that's neither here nor here, neither here nor here. And also not there. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell that we're recording later in the evening? Mha, mha. Um, can you tell that it's raining? Yeah. Well, at least it's not, not having the uh, the fireworks that were going off outside. Mm. Uh, it was that would have been fantastic. I mean, I've got some soundproofing, but just not that much. Um, Fourteen is probably what I would give that. Mm. I say fifteen. All right. Now we get to the real nitty-gritty, the part that we always leave for the end just because this is, like I said, this is what makes and breaks it, the plot and the writing. Mm. Plot and writing. <laughs> plot and writing, okay. There are some things in this that I just really thought were spot on and some things that I just were like, like what am I, what am I missing here? So... Some of the highlights, I think, were the callback from uh, Barf. Yeah, how they went. That was really nice. So I, I agree. I appreciated the fact that oh, well, he was the person behind this the whole time, and that you had the room of these disgruntled Stark characters, and that's why they're coming together. But, but really, there was that many disgruntled. They, they these people all hated. Tony Stark and the yeah have have you seen the Tony Stark character? That's believable for me. He he is very very good at rubbing people the wrong way. That's true, but it was, and it's been presented like that in the MCU yeah. in certain aspects of it. But he like created aim on accident. Hmm. <laughs> Suppose that is true. Which side note. Aim is so underutilized. Why are there no yeah. aim? Anyway, okay. But I just don't feel like that his employees were ever detailed as like, we hate Tony Stark. So I get it and I see the development of it. But that was just like, oh, well, there's suddenly there's all these people here that now that he's gone, we will take over. Like, I thought, I thought that was... Not out of place, just, I don't know, weird. I like that they used the characters, like we mentioned before, yeah. that were actually in the yeah. other movies. Um, so that part, I, I... I have to say this, though. That particular scene, when they're in the bar, there was this, this thing that, that occurred to me, this level of depreciating returns... <laughs> When you're going from person to person to person. So you're starting with Mysterio. I made this illusion uh, tech and he did this and did that. I have my major motivation. And then they go to Peter uh, Billingsley's character. He was in the original film and he got yelled at. Yeah, okay. He's obviously smart. And, uh, well, it's technically not... Tony Stark that was yelling at him, but okay, yeah, sure, he still worked for Stark, and 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 so all right, yeah, and he was he was brilliant, he got underutilized, and then we got this guy that writes stuff. 
Um, and the enthusiasm. Okay. And the enthusiasm. And then, and then the next step is, well, this one person had a really brilliant idea to make things appear on S.H.I.E.L.D. And then, then the final straw is like, well, this person figured out they were giving it to the kid. <laughs> that was that was the whole thing. It's like, huh? That was that was kind of not even. <laughs> just not, yeah. I expect, this this is the janitor. He worked in there, and and Tony kept throwing his socks in the trash, and they smelled awful. I was expecting something like that to come next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that part of that scene, I'm I'm watching this. When, like I said, when all the CGI went away, I was just like, yes. And then as I'm watching this scene, I'm like, this isn't. I buy it, but I don't. Like, I'm missing something here. And his character, which was what you saw in front of that, which was, you know, like, I'm I'm a brave soldier. I've had this fight, and now I'm going to do this. Now I'm a ruthless dictator. Like, I get that transition, but the presentation of it just... Didn't quite, didn't quite work. Didn't quite work. And it... The lead up to it, when you when he fought these things and they presented him and he's in the in the not the sewer, but like the under stuff of of Italy where they're at. And they're talking about how they did this. And then now he's later he's sitting on the roof and he's having this conversation about how he needs to be a great warrior. It just like it went from vacation to end of the world battle here. And I'm like, the suddenness of it, I get the presentation, but yeah. it just, the transition, like it it's didn't, difficult. Yeah. I, I, I can get past that because I mean, there's not much other way that they're really going to get yeah. to it. But, um, I, I can definitely see how that would be a little, a little jarring. Um, there are some just moments of brilliance. I mean, some of the Easter eggs, like throwing in Hydroman's origin, when when they're they, they they mention the guy's name and do an experiment yeah <laughs> that was really kind of awesome um, the um, I I caught it but I didn't catch it on the first I mean because nothing really surprised me except for the sort of but not really the second um, post credits scene because you know you know you find, get the reveal that Nick Fury and um, and um, I'm having a brain spasm. Nick Fury and assistant Kobe Co- Smulders. Smulders. That's all I'm thinking of is the name of the actress. And I'm forgetting Ms. the name Kobe of the character. Kobe Smulders. Uh, but, well, they're not really uh, uh, Hill. Maria Hill. Maria Hill. Um, don't get old. Um, <laughs> mentally old is what I mean by that. Because I, I feel it calcifying up top here. Um, they're scrolls the entire time. And I caught... The hint that they put in the movie. I just didn't know what to make out of the hint when I saw it. Uh, when uh, Spider-Man is, uh, Peter's uh, talking to the two of uh, two of them and saying, why can't you get somebody else to do it? Where's Thor? He's off world. Uh, this person, unavailable. And when he mentions Captain Marvel, the phrase is, don't invoke that name. Yeah, that is not a phrase that Nick Fury would ever say. For any reason. Mm-hmm. So I immediately knew something was off, but I wasn't quite sure what. Well, so Nick Fury 
as a character has a certain presentation throughout all these movies. And in this movie, it wasn't quite the same presentation. And they did that so well. And I and I was like, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, is this is this a Samuel L. Jackson thing? Is this like what am I missing here? <laughs> like, like like I knew there was something up, and then at the end, I was like, ah, okay, now I get. How did I miss that this whole time? <laughs> that was that was done really well. The uh, the putting Spider Man in jeopardy at the end of the film with his identity reveal. That was also something. That was something I saw. That was not terribly surprising. And then the tease when he's confronting May and Happy, uh, where there's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm maybe going to reveal." No, I'm actually having a problem with your relationship. Where it's just kind of confirmed what I always thought, or what I already thought. It's like, yeah, they're going to reveal who he is to the world. How's it going to happen? Um, but that was that was really well done. I uh, I liked that. Even even seeing that one coming. Didn't care. It was just so well done. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, really, for the most part, I liked the plot. The dialogue was fluid. It was natural. That's something that I'm always I'm always critical of in, in the interpersonal dialogue when it comes to uh, uh, the beginning, the budding relationships. That is often just terrible. Uh, it seems like a lot of... Uh, a lot of um, sci-fi and fantasy just can't write that very well for whatever reason. And there's plenty of humor pieces oh, yeah. in there too. So I, I, the plot was solid. There's yeah. always little loopholes, like, oh, I shot my web shooter at the the wheel, and conveniently a piece fell off, and conveniently MJ just. Happened to be there to get the piece. Well, somebody had to. It was it was going to happen. Uh, it, it was enjoyable when I was watching it with the individuals that I went, and I saw that happen. It's like, oh, there it is. And I looked for any reaction from anybody around me. Nothing. It's like, oh, hmm. Either that affected me a lot more than it affected them, or they didn't notice. They didn't get what they saw. Yeah. Because I, I saw the same thing. I was like, is it... I mean, you had that that fist pumping scene in in the bar. That that right there. That was my yes. Come on, where? Oh, come on. Nobody else. Nobody else reacted at all. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh well. <laughs> it was a small thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I'm hoping they didn't actually kill off the character. That would be good um, because it has a real vibe, like it's going towards the Sinister Six. I mean, you've got Vulture, you've got Scorpion. If Mysterio's not dead, you've got Mysterio. Okay, so there's there's your three. There's three. It wouldn't be hard to add a handful of other people into that. Um, that would be really nice, but we'll see. I mean, I guess they could do it where uh, Billingsley's character just creates an AI rendition of Mysterio. Well, that'd, that, be, that'd be a little cheap. That's what you kind of got at the end, right, when he, they said... Copy complete, and he took the disc out, and off he went. Yeah. So, what, maybe what did we did we actually? Yeah. So what did we see at the end? Yeah, not not really sure. Um, the the creation of sword in space that was kind of a nice thing to see. I was I was really kind of geeked about that. I'm assuming that's what it is, because why wouldn't it be? 
Um, it's uh, hinting towards the, either the Kree Scroll War or possibly the invasion storyline. I mean, there's there's a lot of open area here for some really cool stuff, and I'm I'm kind of excited. Yeah, so that's. I guess I left it with with questions here going forward, as in, what is going to be the main focus of this Marvel Cinematic Universe for the next X amount of years? Is it going to be Spider-Man, and are we going to get are we going to get Goblin? Are we going to get the creation of the Sinister Six, and is that going to be what all this stuff revolves around? I think that's the direction Spider-Man's going. So, I mean, they were going to have a, uh, an individual Sinister Six movie, and if they're smart, they will have scrapped that plan and just integrated it into the Spider-Man movies. Because having a separate, and I cannot enunciate this enough, having a separate Sinister Six movie is a stupid idea. I'm not saying that the characters aren't cool. I'm not saying you couldn't potentially write a plot that would sort of work. But it seems like such a reaction to say something like the Suicide Squad, which did not work well, that maybe you shouldn't do it as a blatant cash grab and instead focus on something better. Mm. Maybe I'm over-editorializing there, but... uh, I do not want to see a Sinister Six film. What about a living vampire? That one I would actually be, I get behind. If it's, even if it's on its own, not connected to anything else, because that's a really cool storyline that's never been done. Uh, and especially if they could have Wesley Snipes do a cameo in it, that would be fantastic. Mm, I don't see it ever. Probably not going to happen. But I would love to see it. Love to see it. I'm sorry. I, I uh, Mobius was uh, one of my favorite characters. I I was reading during the time of a, a, a storyline in the comics that was popular. Um, uh, Night Stalkers uh, was uh, him and Hannibal King and Blade and uh, Whistler. Or not? It wasn't him in it. it he was actually uh, had his own book. It was Hannibal King, Blade, and Whistler, and then Mobius had his own book, and it was. Uh, um, uh, Johnny Blaze and uh, Ghost Rider and the uh, and the uh, not, uh, yeah, Darkhold Redeemers. I mean, they had this kind of very uh, occult kind of grouping of things that were going. It, it was kind of like the Defenders or the Avengers if they focused on magic stuff. It was kind of cool, and I enjoyed it greatly. But but we won't see that because Sony is doing it as a solo movie with nothing to, well if they're intending on ever bringing venom into the MCU they I mean I guess they could I don't know how it's going to work but yeah don't bring that one in just just learn from your mistakes and and uh, create <laughs> create a new venom <laughs> don't, don't it won't do happen that. it already made too much money that. they're already good making a second one so that film was so subpar it wasn't awful, but it just wasn't great. It, it, it was not the start of a dynasty. It was, eh. yeah. But we've already we've already gone over that one. Yeah. Um. So you know, back to the uh, point at hand. Uh, plot. I enjoyed it. I mean, it had some had some issues here and there, but uh, it was solid. Yeah. Fifteen. Uh, I think that's what my my brain process was working on. It's a fifteen. So let's see where that puts our 
uh, our scores app. For those of you following at home, they probably got the score is probably pretty good. <laughs> it's 22, uh, 31, 36, 41, 51, 61, 71, 81 is where you are right now, good sir. Um, Sounds a boot, right? Which means if you're at 81 right now, that means that I am at 80 right now. Mm. Um, now, we're, here's where we give any little bonus points that we feel that we need to bump it to the area where we think that it should be. Do you have any bonus points, good sir? I will do two bonus points. Two bonus points! One for J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. Um I don't need to explain that one. Nope. And then the other one for the costume of uh, Mysterio, because I just thought it was really dope. I also have to give a point for J. Jonah Jameson, because uh, put J.K. Simmons in anything, and I am a happy camper. Uh, that was just such a, a fantastic idea to, to come up with. But I also have to give a couple other, uh, a couple other little extra bonus points I really enjoyed the tribute at the very beginning of the movie, the really awful Tony Stark tribute that mm. had the Getty images that it, it ended on. <laughs> that was so... I, 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 I probably bothered the people near me. That, that made me giggle so bad because I started laughing immediately as the music started playing because I knew what they were going to do and it didn't matter because it was so it was, funny. It was... Pretty on point. Goes good. And then last but not least, I'm going to give two points for how they decided to address everybody coming back. The blip. That was kind of awesome. Forgetting the fact that, that the, the line, the blip beard, was just dumb. But. Uh, what about the Peter Tingle? The Peter Tingle. That was hilarious. That was awkward and funny and just really good. But the having everybody appear and, and addressing the potential issues that would happen. Uh, it's like I appeared in my apartment and there's a new family living there. It's like, yeah, that would happen, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought that through all the way. But that would cause a massive, just massive set of problems. That, that was really good. Yes. So in a rare instance, and probably the most points that I will ever give in terms of extra points, I'm giving four extra points. Dang. Four extra points for that. So uh, that puts your score at 83, mine at 84. I so think that's fair. I think that is very fair. I mean, that puts us in a solid B. Uh, and this is a film that I will watch again, mm-hmm. I am sure, at some point. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Hmm. Um, I'm just curious to see when they do Comic Con because I'll have a panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what their slate of scheduled films to be released over the next couple years? What their plan is? Because we don't know. No, like we, we don't know. Like we after this, what like what is it? So we we know there's a a Black Widow movie. I'm kind of hyped about that one. I I want to see that. And that's really all we know. Yeah. Well, until next time, don't forget that pudding is best served to your friends. Enjoy the pudding together. And while you're enjoying that pudding together, enjoy the pudding while listening to us. It's very meta. It, it'll work. Trust me. And, it, and there will be no calories from the pudding for those that are watching their way. If you listen to our show, it's all like diet. Except, you know, it still tastes good. Or if you're going to the Chinese buffet and they have the 
two containers of pudding, and you just put them together, and then you stir the pudding in together. That would make me nervous. I, I, if I go to the Chinese buffet, I, I'm never quite certain I want to touch the pudding that's in there because I have this feeling that it's been sitting for some time. Maybe. Maybe. That's just Maybe. If it's dinner time, that might be fresh, whipped-up pudding for the dinner service. No, I'm not seeing it. But thank you all for joining us. And until next time, uh, insert ending phrase. Huzzah! <laughs>